Welcome to Reactive, uh, a new weekly podcast. And oh, oh my God, are you hearing this? <laughs> Your phone is ringing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so I just have okay, to. Okay, sh- everybody, mute. Get there. <laughs> exactly. So I have Slack to turned off, etc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to. I'm going to leave all this in, just so you know. This is this is great. This is great material. Highly professional. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so put this on Do Not Disturb and turn this off. So, uh, yeah, so this is welcome to Reactive. Reactive is uh, our show. So, this um, my name is Khalil and uh, I'm a front developer, JavaScript developer, and uh, there are two people with me. So, I'm just going to go around the horn. So, Henning, who are you? Hi, I'm Henning. I'm a PHP backend developer in Germany. And also Ember guy. Oh, yes, yes. I am trying to get into Ember um, as much as I can. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and we have a third very special guest. Uh, who are you, very special guest? <laughs> Hi, uh, it's Raquel Velas uh, from, uh, from the U.S. I work at NPM. I'm a back-end, all the things, or front-end, whatever, node developer, uh, JavaScript, all the way down from from front-end all the way down to robots. So, fun times. Yeah, and I have to correct myself. Of course, you're not a guest. You're a co-host of the show. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm the eternal guest. I'm just here all the time. I'm like I'm like the, the, the guest that you invite over for, for tea and then just doesn't leave. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay. Interesting. I just keep coming back. Oh, you have cookies, do you? <laughs> May I have some more? Like so, so basically, that means so we had you on our other show called Descriptive, and you just never left, and you kind of just in Skype forever now. Yeah. When we no, have that's a call, exactly it. I've just been kind of hanging out. Except now I have a better microphone. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. That's <laughs> great. That's great. Actually. Cool. Um, so, um, so the show is called Reactive. And uh, so why is it called Reactive? So it's called Reactive because um, the show is basically about uh, things that we, that we think are cool, that are happening to us, that we learn, and we're just going to talk about them. We're going to react to them. And uh, basically, there's a funny story to this name because I was looking for a name for the show for, for weeks and weeks. And then finally, uh, on, was it on Sunday? I think on Sunday or Monday, Monday morning, I was reading an article about reactive programming, which basically states that um, it's, it's a really great article, by the way. It's an article that is like the article, if you like the missing article for everybody who wants to know what reactive programming is. And basically, um, the author was describing reactive programming as, um, you know, streams of stuff happening, basically streams of events, like a click event in the UI could be uh, a stream. And then there's ends to those streams and there's data that flows in those streams. And, and, and in reactive programming, you can, you can merge the streams and filter them and scan them and stuff like that. And basically, I felt that was a good metaphor for what we are going to do on the show as well. Right? I like it. I totally exactly. like it. Cool. All right, so we are going to talk about like hot topics, what's going on, like uh, you know, um, uh, in the news, and also some uh, just stuff that we pick because we are interested in it. So, but we're gonna go through the hot topics we chose uh, first, and the first one was that Firefox uh, blocked the Flash plugin, 
entirely. So, uh, Raquel, you, you put that into the list. So can you kind of explain what happened? Yeah. So, I mean, so Flash had some pretty major vulnerabilities spotted uh, last week. Like it was like two in a row or something. And people were just like, ah, what's going on? Like Flash, but Flash is like super old, right? Like at this point, it's it's kind of like the joke in browsers, like, oh, ha ha, this is made with Flash. But actually a lot of websites still use it. And so I'm kind of like amazed that Firefox was just like, all right, you know what? We're done. Like, dear... Dear Flash, we've we've had enough. You you're just not secure enough for us. We're, we don't we don't like you anymore. I don't know. I'm totally speculating on why they got rid of it. Um, but what do you think? Like, what do you two think? Is is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Like, should should a browser be in charge of deciding what things users can and can't have, or should it be at the user level? I mean, do we trust users to be smart enough to turn things off uh, for their own good? Like. It's kind of a really interesting who's in charge of this decision question, but also is is Flash over? Like, is it like really? Is it finally over? Is it time for websites to just be like, it? We're done. Like, let's let's get rid of it. What do you think? Yeah, in in these kind of situations, I mean, I don't actually know what the vulnerabilities are, but um, to your question, you know, is it uh, is it a good thing? I have to think of my parents, you know, if they if they could be attacked in some way because of their surfing the web or something, they cannot make the judgment call to disable that. They wouldn't even know how to. Um, and I, I think probably the majority of people wouldn't know how to do that. Uh, so in that sense, maybe it's a good thing. But uh, on the other hand, um, I was browsing around stuff today and, you know, all of a sudden things don't work anymore. So... That was kind of annoying, but it was easily fixed. Um, yeah. Um, uh, good riddance, I say. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. <laughs> it's Get over. It. I think it's great. I mean, the thing is, you know, I think that that. So the question for me is a little bit why why did that happen and like that vulnerability how did it get in there and I think it might have something to do maybe with the fact that uh, Flash is not 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 used as much anymore and it's not a platform and adobe surely is not believing that flash is like a platform for the future or anything like that anymore and maybe they just don't put um you know as much manpower into flash as they used to and mistakes more mistakes worse mistakes happen and then you know just just stop yeah, yeah i mean it's a horrible memory hog too that's that's for sure but <laughs> But it's like, you know, is it, did they, I, I, I wonder what, what the intentions were because, you know, it made a big, a big hoopla on the, on the web. So it's a nice publicity thing. Is that something Mozilla was maybe interested in? I don't know. Um, <laughs> kind of interesting. That would be a really interesting way of doing things. Um, <laughs> yeah. That'll get yeah. people's attention. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone start using Mozilla browsers. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just thought it was a really interesting kind of step forward in in terms of like browsers playing the big brother a little bit like like the older brother the the hey i'm I'm looking out for you i really am Mm -hmm. uh let's let's not let you know not so secure things into your into your browsing life um but then on the flip side right there's uh there's another thing that i thought was really amazing uh that i learned about on twitter i think it was just yesterday and uh, it, it puts power 
in into the hands of of blog owners, which I thought was really interesting, called Echo Chamber. It was uh, created by GitHub user Tessalt, uh, and it's called Echo Chamber JS, and it basically allows the user to put this like so basically if you have a blog you can add echo chamber js into your blog and it'll allow people to write comments into like an echo chamber which if you don't know what an echo chamber is it's like being into a black box and nobody outside of it can hear you so the idea is that trolls can can uh comment on your blog and it'll save it in local storage so that every time they visit your website, they still see their comments, but they just think that you're not being reactive to them. But in reality, you have no idea what they're commenting at all because you can't see what's in their local storage. So they can say the worst, most ugly, like awful things uh, on your website. And it doesn't matter because they're just saying it to themselves and no one else can read it. And yeah. I think I just I kind of love this idea because it's I, I hate reading the comments. I hate it. I also, but I can't help myself. So if I could just see, like, I think if, if I had websites that had this and I just saw like there were no comments ever, I'd just start like putting puppy pictures and like cute animals on every single blog post and just being like, and then every time I go back, I'd be like, wow, that's so great. Everybody loves the, the like, you know, cute kitten playing around with the, you know, ball of yarn. And that's so adorable. Anyway. Yeah, I, just, I, I I like that. <laughs> yeah, that that was very enjoyable. Actually, I also saw it this morning at work, and I was just laughing out loud. And everybody's like, "What's going on? What's going?" On? And uh, and I also love the copy on the on the GitHub repository where they're like, uh, "So why why not just use discuss? Because then uh, there'd be a chance that someone would read the comments. You might have to read those comments. You don't want that, or you, you have go. to read them yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly." <laughs> And uh, I, yeah, it's very it's very funny. And immediately, I was thinking, you know, like if if they only see their own comments, that's maybe not good enough. And maybe you should have like randomly generated other troll comments in there. And and uh, if you look into the issues, that's like the most discussed issue, right? There's like uh, eighteen comments generate random plausible comments. I love that. How Everybody's long has so this excited. Been around? Huh? How long has this thing been around? It, it's, it's very Days. young. Yeah. It, okay. it, yeah. It, like, if that. I mean, <laughs> we, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to take a look right now. Oh wait, no. This thing has apparently been around for three months. Oh really? But yeah. Oh, but, it, it just. But it, I guess. Just caught on. It was discovered day. just now because because the the issue the issue about the comments the generated comments is like 21 hours old, and then yeah, yeah they're all like just. If, 12 hours stuff oh, like I'm that. looking at the issues and it looks like four days ago uh, the creator of, of, of echo chamber JS rewrote the entire thing with react ah, so, okay or maybe it was rewrite I don't okay, hold on let me see it just says the issue just says rewrite the whole thing with react lol so <laughs> <laughs> nice okay so maybe not no it hasn't it hasn't been rewritten with react uh, yet but but it's, but it is uh, it's it <laughs> it's being considered. It's being <laughs> oh, considered. And, yeah, it is just some an issue that somebody opened, and of course, people are like plus oneing it. Uh, it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then somebody's like, I think Angular is a better choice. Lol, 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 lol. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> people have opinions. It's adorable. Oh no, I uh, love it. I love it. This is so good. <laughs> this is great. All right, so. 
so Khalil, tell us tell us more about this whole like like um actually wait, no, it wasn't it was uh speaking of like, you know, React, et cetera, like um what what kind of like that's like a, a tool you can use on the browser and, and I think uh Henning, you had a question about or you had some ideas about like you were asking questions about like workflows and tools and stuff. Do you want to get in on that? Yeah. So um I'm at a point now where we are thinking about actually going with some front-end um, client. Probably, well, I'm pushing for Ember since that's uh, sort of what I've focused on. <clears throat> but uh, regardless, it would be a, uh, a front-end client that talks to a RESTful API. And um, we we have that in place right now. We have uh, since 2009. There's this framework I wrote. Um, it's on top of Symfony, which is a PHP framework. Um, it works fine. Um, it's because I'm very familiar with it, of course, I can do things quite quickly, but um, it doesn't give you enough out of the box. Like, you know, the whole uh, dealing with headers, dealing with um, authentication, maybe even rate limiting, and um, all these kinds of things that you, you have to think about when you're creating APIs. So what I was wondering is, you know, in the PHP space, there is this this framework or this this application called um, App Agility, which gives you all of that. Um, and uh, the problem I have with that at the moment is that it it's basically only returning um, JSON in the HAL standard, and I'd prefer to have it um, in JSON API. So, what I was wondering is if uh, if you guys knew of anything in maybe the JavaScript space that uh, did that. Yeah, so um, things that I have used or, or friends have used for APIs, like a node is really great for writing APIs. You can you can basically get something done within, I'd say, a day. Like it's just a few hours of effort um, from top to bottom. Uh, this is all, of course, because of the, the many small modules philosophy. You can just kind of grab something that somebody else has already started on and then build on top of it. Uh, my favorite... My favorite libraries for APIs are uh, my number one favorite one is Restify, which basically it's it has zero templating language, so it's extremely lightweight. It's like you're not planning on actually having any views or anything, so uh, you can just build a really easy API. It's very Express-like in terms of how the API is built, but you basically create a route. Say these are the endpoints. Uh, this is the you know. You can. These are the methods associated with with those endpoints, and when when you hit this endpoint, return this stuff. Uh, do this logic, and then return that or whatever. And um, it's just really straightforward. If you wanted to add templating, or if you're just not interested in using Restify, you can also, of course, use Express or Happy, um, and and just ignore the the templating part of it. But to me, I. I just tend to not like having extra cruft that I'm not using. Uh, I like to keep things really, really lightweight and small. So Restify would definitely be my recommendation if you wanted to play with Node and kind of feel that out. Okay, so how, how does that, for example, deal with, um, I guess what I'm really interested in or what I'm, what I'm trying to ask here is, is that the current system we have has a 200 and, I don't know, 30 or 40 uh, endpoints at this point, and there's six different developers working on that and there's no real um, you know there's no enforcement of, of certain things like 
you know, keep common, uh, you know, query parameters the same, you know, such as from or to or, you know, from date to date or something like that. So we have variations of that all over the place. So there's no consistency there. Um, and, uh, you know, that's maybe something that just needs to go in a standard. But um, if you had stuff to pick from, you know, for this kind of thing, that would be helpful. Then the same thing with uh, validation um, of input parameters. And the other big thing or the biggest thing is the... Um, somehow tying your your response um, to a specific standardized format, for example, HAL or preferably JSON API. So basically, you have some kind of serializer that would enforce um, the proper proper spec, I guess. Yeah, I mean... Could you plug I, that into to the things that you had mentioned? Absolutely, absolutely. For, um, for things like checking to see... Um, like validating your parameters and stuff like that. There's another module that I really like called Joy uh, that it, it you don't have to use it with Happy. Uh, you can use it just by itself, but it's a really great validator. You basically uh, you set up a schema for what you're expecting, and uh, you can pass whatever comes through through that schema. And if it's valid, then it continues through, and if not, then it just returns like a 400 or a 500 or whatever you want it to return. Um, and it'll just be, you know, really easy, just bam, that like, this is invalid, go away. Um, and you can do that for your parameters or, uh, just your body or whatever you're sending in. Um, and then for like the output, you can certainly, if, if it doesn't already exist, like a, just some sort of module that handles everything in terms of like that serializes into JSON API or otherwise how, um, then you could easily write one, but I would be extremely surprised if they didn't exist already. No, I, I know uh, that uh, they both so, exist in the in the JavaScript space, so that's yeah. Probably something I mean, you just like plug in, right, right, as as as, as an npm module specifically. Yeah, uh, but you could just you know tack these things on like Legos, plug them together, and then boom, you, you're you're done. I think I think for a brand new Node developer, it would probably take more like two or three days, uh, but for uh, for someone who totally knows what's going on, like getting it up and running, like just the most basic, uh, like proof of concept, you could easily get something uh, done in a matter of hours. So uh, I think in terms of productivity, you could definitely get a proof of concept done very quickly and, you know, then get more people on board. So you just switch the entire thing from PHP to Node. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. PHP is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, actually, no. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not opposed to that at all. I just uh, don't know if I can convince certain people of the same. So we'll see. Yeah, that's why. That's why you spend an hour, maybe two, put together the super quickest proof of concept that you possibly can, and then they go, "Why did you spend so many t- so many hours on this?" And you go, "Well, actually, I only spent you know one hour on it." And they go, "Oh, well, did- can you do the rest of it <laughs> as quickly?" Well, I'll need like three more hours. Oh, okay, go. <laughs> this is exactly. obviously the conversation you would have with your team. Oh, all right. Exactly how that sounds. Yeah. I'll tell you how it goes or went tomorrow then in that case. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> so there's also a different uh, way to do this that, that uh, I don't know if, you, I don't know about the validation and stuff like that. I guess you could, you could uh, just implement it yourself, but you can also do uh, 
like mock the whole API just in the browser. Because there, there is, um, there's this library called Sinin.js, I think it's uh, pronounced, and um, what it it just basically overrides the XHR object in the browser, and then you can actually send, you know, you can do requests to the actual endpoints that you would hit uh, on the live server, and it will just grab that and then spit out what you what you wanted, and you, but. What you do is you, yeah, you basically you write the responses in the browser, and in, they're just functions basically that return what what that endpoint should return, and then you can um, you can of course put some validation in there, I guess, and stuff like that. So, so that's you a- transform the result in the browser instead of on the server. <clears throat> well, that- basically, basically, uh, it like I said, it mocks the X, uh, it, it kind of overrides the XHR object, and it just all happens in the browser. So you actually you send an you send an AJAX request or something like that to an to an endpoint, and what that SignNJS uh, mock library does, it catches that, and then re- and then pretends to be the server and and sends back the actual request that you basically told SignIn to send back for that request, right. And you can make you can make it a function and make it as, you know, complicated or simple uh, as you want. And it's just all just you just load it as a global um, library, and and uh, you know write your little functions that give that 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 give those responses back. And then yeah, it's all just in, in there. You don't even need a backend really for that. Mm, okay. <clears throat> Yeah, it's uh, so we basically we use it at work. Uh, first, we used uh, we used Sinon, but then we found out because we're using Angular at work, so we found out that there is actually Angular. There is a module called Angular Mocks that comes with exactly that same thing. It's called uh, what's it called again? Uh, well, this is ba- oh okay. So I think now I'm getting what you're saying. It's basically to to set up a quick. Fake API in order to get the front end guys working exactly. If, if there is, oh, okay, got it, got it, okay. Yeah, so you can write the whole app and you just mock the the whole API in the browser, and you can write okay. your whole app, and you don't right. need any backend. You don't need a fake backend or a real backend, and then you can you can just switch it out. You can just uh, turn off the mock, and then it can talk to the actual backend. Okay, yeah, I got I got that. So that's basically for the rapid. Front end development, so you don't have to wait on the on the API. Mm-hmm. What I was wondering is, is how do you? Okay, that's that's great, but then you know, how do I actually get the real thing up and running? Um, you know, in a, in an easy fashion. Okay, okay. Well, the yeah. real thing, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That it would be to actually write it. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, you know, to me, it seems like the, this kind of stuff now these days it should be. Uh, it's like a solved problem, you know. You shouldn't have yeah. to write all that stuff yourself. It, it's it's more like, okay, I want this endpoint. This is the route. Um, it uh, these are the query parameters. Here's the documentation that goes with it. Um, I want this kind of authentication, and it basically makes the boilerplate, you know. And maybe okay, this is the rate limiting for it, and all that stuff is taken care of for you. And what you are then tasked with is to actually write the business logic in the back end that just gets the data. Mm. But all that, you know, boilerplate stuff, I don't know what else to call it, is basically taken care of for you by some kind of, you know, API framework. And AppAgility, like I said, is one such thing. It's just, uh, uh, 
um, you know, it's sort of tied to Hal, and I don't particularly like that. But. Okay, I so, get it. Yeah. So there is a uh, there's another module called Swagger, which um, it, it's very similar to what you're talking about. Basically, at least my understanding is you you create like a YAML file or JSON or whatever, and it, it's like okay, I need this method, you know, get that has this path and takes these parameters and this query, whatever, blah blah blah. Um, and then like you take the YAML, you throw it into Swagger, and then it builds an API from that YAML, kind of just like in out boom. And so it's like, sort of like, a a, uh, a a descriptive sort of a an API description or or yeah, like a right. I don't know, call a blueprint or whatever, and it builds the thing for you. Right. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Wow. Okay. So like that's that's something that you could totally try out as well, which would actually be even faster because you wouldn't have to sit there making every single one, but it creates a, a boilerplate uh, API so that you can just kind of try it out, see how it goes, and throw in some some things as you need it, and you know, bam, it should all just kind of work. <clears throat> and, of course, there's also a module called JSON API, and what that does is this library creates a JSON API compliant REST API from your Node app, and it generates API documentation automatically. It currently integrates with Express, apps that use Mongoose models, but it can easily be integrated with other frameworks and blah, 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 blah. Hmm. Okay. So, that, so if you want yeah. to go with the JSON API route, maybe that is yeah. that's a good okay. thing. Yeah, but definitely check out, check out Swagger as well. I'm, like, I'm like looking at the readme right now, and I'm like, oh... Okay. I think this is what he was talking about. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, well, so thanks, guys. Out. Awesome. Yeah. yeah Got no some problem. stuff to research. Cool. <laughs> well, well, keep keep us updated on on uh, we'll what, what you did. See if what... I can get them to go with Ember. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. Is there anybody? Is there like voices? Like people say, "Oh no, we should use Backbone" or something like that. No, not really. No. It's just at the moment, you know, we're, it's a t it's a basically a PHP shop. So um, right, so they want to do a service. totally new. Yeah, but um, it is it is becoming very apparent that the current model of basically you know very old legacy PHP non MVC is not sustainable. So we want to sort of leap over a few steps and go straight to you know hopefully. API and uh, JavaScript front-end client. Nice. Yep. Bye. We shall see. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about uh, descriptive. Because actually, so Henning, uh, you and I were doing this other podcast as well. It's uh, it's going to, we try to do it on like a, bi-weekly, weekly-ish kind of schedule, but it turns out that because it's an interview podcast and we have to schedule guests and we're trying to get really good guests and uh, and also there's a lot of editing involved in this podcast. It takes a lot of time, so we're kind of moving this to a more monthly-ish um, schedule and we're still doing it. And, uh, and we kind of satisfying our pod weekly podcasting needs with Reactive and and uh, so I wanted to kind of just also 
have a little space in the in this podcast to talk about what's going on on the descriptive end. And uh, so we so basically you you kind of took over the scheduling part of of the podcast a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit what's what's in the pipeline? Yeah. So um, next week, actually, we're going to talk to Robin Ward. Um, he is a he's the co-founder of um, Discourse, which is uh, a forum um, software that is built with Ember. And um, he co-founded that with the gentleman from that uh, also co-founded Stack Overflow. Yeah. So that should be very interesting for many reasons. And he was uh, basically one of the first users of uh, Ember.js and uh, I think probably the first um, open source application in the wild. Ember.js. Way, of way, this, way before 1.0. Yeah, especially of this size. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yep. Very cool. And then also in the pipeline, we have Steve Franca. He is, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He's, um, he's, in, he's in all kinds of things. Um, and um, one of the, how I basically noticed him is he has this, um, he wrote this article years ago about uh, um, using Vim or getting into Vim and basically issued this thing called the Vim Challenge. And that's why I started Vim. So that was, um, that's interesting to me. <clears throat> oh, wow. And uh, cool. he's recently, well, yeah, switched to Go. And uh, he was also a PHP developer. And he wrote this um, blog engine called Hugo that's basically in Go. And that's taken off quite uh, successfully. And he he just talks a lot about how to manage and move open source projects ahead, which I find very interesting. Very cool. Yep. Raquel, you were once on Descriptive. I was. It was fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was fun. I, I, I really... It, it, yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. cool. I, love, I love doing podcasts, and now I'm like really stoked to be like a co-host. It's like, yes! More podcasting. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, one podcast leads to more podcasting. It oh, really it does. Way, yeah. yeah. It, it it they just it's like multiplying like like little uh I don't know. I'm just thinking of different things that multiply and I'm just not going to think about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. speaking of uh podcasts and editing and things um uh, no no good podcast is good without some sort of flame war. Um, so so let's talk about editors. Yeah, exactly. So basically, you said in the uh, Henning in the pre-show, you said that that you're tired of Vim. So you must be the only A part of you Vim. like you, like you hate you started to hate Vim is what you said. And this is like the first time that oh, that words that, that that the Vim, a Vim user actually <laughs> says. Just something that's negative. You're the first. Yeah, I'm going to be burned at the stake as a heretic. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually not what you said. But you said that there's something. Something's annoying you. But still, still, I've never heard a Vim user talking only even slightly bad about Vim. So I'm very shocked. What's well, going on? Well, it took me a very long time to 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 get the the guts to even mention that. So. <laughs> oh wow, there's like peer pressure about that. Oh no! <laughs> That's amazing. No, the thing with Vim is, is like you you put so much effort into learning it, and you go through so much pain that you can't go back because you know 
all that would be for nothing. So I totally understand why nobody speaks yeah. badly about it. <laughs> so, That's so awesome. true. I, I, so, so to totally butt in here, I actually on my blog have a post from like two or three years ago that's just called I Heart Vim. And it's like a, a blog post about how much I love Vim and everything. And I think, <laughs> Khalil, the reason why you never hear anybody talking bad about Vim is because uh, Vim users, they'll, they'll, start, they'll start using Vim, they'll love it, they'll, and then one day they'll just be like, you know what, Vim is missing something. It doesn't matter what, it's just missing something. And, and to add it would, would, be, would require like, so much effort to like, find a way to throw in a plugin or something, whatever. Uh, changing your vimrc file what uh and and then like so so a vim user will just try something else and then they'll just slowly leave vim behind it, it, it it's not that they're talking bad about it there's no there's no like fallout it's just they slowly move on interesting to something else. And so, like, I've never taken down my iHeartVim post because I, I still I, there's a there's a there's a wonderful soft spot in my heart for Vim. I just don't use it very much anymore, unless I'm SSHing in, into something, and then I'll use Vim exclusively because yeah. yeah, that's weird. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. I, I use Sublime Text. I'm not afraid to say it. I love it. Very interesting. It does what I need. This is a revelation for me. I was always so jealous. <laughs> Of all the Vim users, and they're so also in love with it, and so productive, and everything. And now there's this, there's this dark rift opening. It's amazing. <laughs> well, here's what happened: is is basically, I worked in a in in a specific code base for a very long time, and was extremely familiar with it. And um, basically, code completion wasn't a big deal. Um, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a pain point at that time, but now I've um, been put on several different projects, and so my knowledge about this one particular code base is being strongly diluted. I mean, I worked on that thing for a year, so I knew it very well. But now, you know, it's got uh, probably twenty or so dependencies, and you know, those are some of them. Though some of those are really big, so not having context-aware code completion is very painful. Hmm. And I fiddled around with some plugins to try to get that to work probably for almost a day, and I was not happy with it. I mean, I got results like, you know, basically the editor freezes for two or three seconds Ooh. while it builds that the list. And the list isn't even good. It's, <laughs> it's unusable, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Ouch. So... That is the reason I left things like NetBeans and Eclipse behind because they were miserable uh, in really? performance, you know. Yeah. Um, so I was just curious, you know, with basically I think you use Atom, mm -hmm. uh, Khalil, and yeah. then you mentioned you use uh, Sublime Text three, and yep. JavaScript is a dynamic language as well. So how how is it um, for for example for code completion because. If you're doing a, a node project, you can have massive amounts of dependencies as well. So the code base could be very large, right? It, yeah, it totally can. I mean, so I don't really use code completion across a project. Um, it's just there's – I know that you can. I know that there are plugins for it. I haven't tried any of them. I, I just um, – I have a very tunnel vision when I'm working on, on some code. So, like, I'll just have – 
like a write-up of the API. I'll just, I'll have the docs open in like a, a browser window or something. And then, but what I really love about Sublime is I can like tab complete other words within the same file so that like my variable names aren't all messed up all the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know about code completion specifically. My favorite, my favorite uh, text editor for code completion is uh, Microsoft Visual Studio. <laughs> yeah, mm, <laughs> that I is have like to totally the, agree. That, that is ass. hands down the yeah. best uh, yep. editor for for that uh, that I've ever seen. Personally, I think I think that's Microsoft's best product ever. ever mm. made. What what language but, did you work on in that? Was that C or C uh, C plus plus? Uh, it was C plus yeah. plus. Yeah, but but there are lots of Node developers using Visual Studio now too because they oh. have. They have plugins. There's actually like a, a a plugin that you can like you can there's there's NuGet, uh, which is like their kind of package downloader sort of thing uh, for in, in Visual Studio. And you can actually NuGet now talks to NPM. So you can like use Visual Studio, like use mouse clicks to download modules uh, instead of having to ever touch the command line, which I think is super brilliant. Wow. Um, and yeah, but I'm on a Mac. And I'm not leaving the Mac. So until Microsoft develops a Visual Studio for the Mac, I'm I, I'm just going to stick with Sublime Text. Well, they have a light version, I think, but uh, yeah, that might that might take a while. Yeah, that's okay. Well, there's that's Visual Studio Code now. Uh, I don't think it does. It it has IntelliSense implemented, but I think um, it's mostly for JavaScript and not for PHP yet, or something like that. But also. That editor is really young, and I think it needs a little more time. But when it comes to um, to Adam, so Adam has an, has an interesting story when it comes to the auto completion thing because it had auto completion very similar to uh, Sublime Text, and so you had like uh, you had like a special shortcut key keyboard shortcut, and then you could auto complete like stuff that was in your file already. And uh, because the community was not happy with this, there were some people in the um, community um, of, of Adam that said, hey, we can do a better job at this. And they built um, an, uh, a package that's called Autocomplete Plus. And with, um, with Adam 1.0, which was just released a few weeks ago, I think, was just a month ago maybe, um, they actually made it a core module to Adam um, 1.0. And that's actually definitely better than what Sublime can do, uh, 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 in my experience, how I remember it, because I was a long-time Sublime Text user as well. And um, because it is aware of not only the file you're working in, but also other files. So it is kind of context project aware, Um and and it it you know it gives you like if you're writing a function name and that function is somewhere in your project it it finds it and stuff. Does and that go into the dependencies as well? The node modules you've loaded? Um, no, I don't think so. I, okay. I'm not. I'm not. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because they're also in the project, so it could be. I didn't really uh, um, like really test it out thoroughly, you know, like really keep an eye on the autocomplete thing. But it definitely popped up a couple of times where I was like, oh. How does it know that? You know, and mm -hmm. and uh, <clears throat> and it yeah, and it gives you. There's different kind of types of autocomplete um, options it gives you, and it always pops up. So there's no there's no key keyboard shortcut 
for it uh, for you to use it it just is always there and it gives you those um suggestions and you can just tab into the right one um but when it comes but other than that when it comes to um so basically i definitely would recommend trying it out just to to round that out and also when it comes to adam what's really cool and what gives you a little bit of an overview of what what it can do is that video that they released with that 1.0 version the video is an, an is like an insane production like it's so insane like this is did you see it do you see the yes, video yes that is that is absolutely incredible <laughs> yeah did you see it raquel no i haven't seen it yet so oh. now i have to, I have yeah, to you, open up a browser like it's it, it's just at at the adam uh, uh Adam I, is it oh. Adam.io? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's just like like 20s kind of style and they built all those props and it's just it's just amazing and they have a, a voiceover and stuff and it's it's very cool. So it, that gives you oh a little a little overview of it. I'm 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 currently watching it now and I'm just like <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it's amazing. This is like, it looks like something from like like Walt Disney from yeah. like yeah. Oh. 50s and 60s, right? <laughs> It's so good. Uh, so they did. So really... I guess what I'm what I'm hearing is, or, or well, well um, hold on. They, they, I just wanted to say that when it comes to auto completion, though, as far as I know, I have not used it yet. But as far as I know, the absolute champion for web development, what I heard, and what from what I've heard is, uh, what's it called? Uh, the web whole storm, web storm PHP, PHP storm kind of family, right? Because mm -hmm. because they are like full fledged IDEs. They're they're written in Java, but so f as far as I know, from 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 a lot of developers that I that I trust, I trust in their opinions and 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 stuff. The editor is really fast, and it it gets developed really quickly, right? So you always get you constantly get updates, and it always does stays up to date with different frameworks and stuff. For instance, there's a lot of Symphony support, really really good Symphony support. Apparently, is really good, um, and it gives you. And it's so intelligent about your framework and stuff like that, right? So it really knows what kind of classes you have, blah, blah, blah. Like it does code completion really, really well and also does that apparently for, for, for Angular especially. They've, they've been super um, active in the Angular world and have kind of taken over a lot of the Angular community. So there's a lot of Angular programmers that use it as well because it's... Because you just type a few characters and then boom, you have your boilerplate for your service or your directive or whatever. It, it, it's really aware of how the framework works specifically. Okay. So, and you can just download it and use it for 30 days for free. So maybe you should just try that. And you, well, there's also. Incidentally, I won a license at Frankfurt JS. Oh, that's true. Last week. You it did. Was, uh, but it's it's WebStorm, it's not PHP Storm, but still I'll check it out and see. Yeah, well I'm very P curious. Yeah, it's that's a pity though, because no, I think you can use it with any of the storms, I think. Oh. Just try it out. Because so PHP Storm has WebStorm in it, right? And then there is the Java version which has PHP Storm and WebStorm in it and stuff like that. So that's okay. kind of the hierarchy of it. Yeah. So right. so if 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 that's uh, and I think you're using Symphony, right? Yep. Yeah, so so uh, from what I've heard, like they're, they're, at at my old job, there there's uh, a backend developer that I really respect and he's a good friend of mine. And he's been uh, so there was he's normally he, like he's a Java guy. He really likes Java and and the lighter frameworks in Java. But he had to work with Symphony for a big project, and then he used PHP Storm to work with Symphony, and he was just like. 
so so excited and and surprised that webstorm yeah. does all that stuff and knows symphony and like it was yeah apparently a really good experience okay cool i i just want to put this out there for um you know maybe one or two of the tens of thousands of listeners of the show <laughs> will uh will know how to fix this correctly in in vim and can can let me know how that works but uh you're not giving up <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i think i think it's um the bigger the code base, the more important the the context, the context of where code completion becomes. Um, you just, it, at least that's that's my experience um, from the past. And once you don't, you can't fit the code base in your head anymore. Then, you know, you need help from your editor. And if it's not there, you're not as productive. So, it doesn't matter how fast you can slice and dice text. If you got to go look up files constantly to see what the the API is, that that sucks. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Cool. So, so Frankfurt JS, I am super jealous that y'all get to go to these things because I really wish I was living in Germany. But, uh, but clearly, you gave a talk recently, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, so there was Frankfurt JS happened. Uh, so first of all, why are you so jealous? There's tons of stuff going on in Oakland, I thought, like Oakland JS. Well, I mean, look, look, Oakland is cool and all, but it's no Germany. <laughs> 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 so uh, fun fact, I, I, I lived in Germany for, uh, for three months one summer. I did an internship uh, in Duisburg, and uh, it was, it was, that was pretty much the time of my life. I just absolutely love everything German, like German culture and, and German food and, and traveling around Germany. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I really want to live in Europe very soon again, but I have to figure that out when I'm going to do that. But anyway, oh, cool. uh, <laughs> well, we're so happy to I'm have just, you. Just, yeah, no, just, uh, <laughs> hold a spot for me. Yeah. You could just buy me a house, um, <laughs> you know, one with a, with a yard and, uh, that uh, that would be good. That'd be good. really good. And then and yeah. then I can you know just kind of move move my family out there, and uh, that, that'd be easy. Be super easy. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take start care putting, of the logistics for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll start putting <laughs> putting money to aside right, right away. Oh, perfect. <laughs> just for Thank that. you. Thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'd have uh, plenty of opportunity to speak here um i oh, drive yeah. two hours to go to frankfurt yes so that's it's worth it it's pretty cool yeah it's in english too which is neat um yeah. so really yeah they do it in english and because uh, there's international people some of them that do not speak german at all or very little so i think that's really cool yeah cool. So, yeah so i actually founded founded frankfurt js with a friend and uh i i i I offered to, but he, but uh, so I'm also I also or co-organize uh, Karlsruhe JS, and that's like my main my main um, uh, JavaScript user group that I'm taking care of. My co-organizer he lives in Frankfurt and he's mainly doing Frankfurt JS, and he had a problem because he had a speaker from IBM. I don't exactly rem I don't ex uh, remember what the topic was he was going to talk about but he kind of bailed out at the last moment and it was like his biggest speaker for the night and um, and so I offered to say hey look I could do something about NPM and stuff so he said oh that sounds good let's do that so basically 
That's why I spoke at Frankfurt JS because when we we organize those user groups and we very very seldomly talk because because the philosophy for us is to to kind of create an environment where the community can come and talk about what they think you know is is great or important or interesting. Um, but sometimes we we just do that to help each other out. So so that's why I did that and um, also because. Uh, I like the subject. So basically, I was talking about, um, I called it uh, build tool, schmill tool, and PM is best. And uh, I have to, uh, there was actually one feedback, a guy said that actually what I was talking about was not build tooling, but actually task running, which is correct. So I definitely have to correct that. So I was talking about NPM as a task runner. And yeah, so how I was basically saying, um, that NPM, uh, so I was trying to be funny because NPM is best was not actually what I was trying to say. I was trying to say, uh, look, there's a bunch of tools, Grunt, Gulp are the most famous ones, and there's also NPM, and NPM can do all the stuff that you can do with Grunt and Gulp, and you get a specific benefits from using just NPM instead of uh, Grunt and Gulp. Because Grunt and Gulp wrap around modules, um, uh, node packages, basically, And uh, you also have to install a global version of Gulp or Grunt. And NPM can just use those node modules directly without having to do anything else. The only downside is maybe that you have to kind of look at those node modules. Well, it's not a downside in my mind, but it could be because it could seem a little complicated for, for beginners. But you have to look at the node modules and you have to kind of learn how you use the command line of those or the command line interface of those node modules and then call them in your package JSON or, or, or put the commands into your scripts field in a package JSON and then call them with NPM run. So I basically, I, so I explained that, why I think it's cool, because I think it's a great benefit that you have to kind of look at those mod modules and, and how they expose the command line interface and how the API, API works, because um, with, with, with the competitors, uh, which are, of course, great, and the people who make it are great, and if it's great for your team, you should use it, but... With those uh, many big people who start with it, and um, they, they can get confused because they use plugins for those uh, task runners, and then they, um, they if it doesn't work, they go to the task runner repository and ask the people and create an issue there. But actually, the issue might might be with the node package, and then they're confused because they don't understand that this is wrapping around a node package, maybe. And and it just creates maybe creates a little bit more confusion and creates this because there's like an extra abstraction layer. It kind of keeps them away from the actual goodness that is Node and Node packages. And that's why I think it's great that npm uh, has this, is is gives you the freedom to to do all that task running. But you have to go and you have to kind of get to know the ecosystem and you have to get to know the modules that I think that that's great because it makes people uh, better developers, but also they can actually, they know exactly where to go when something goes wrong. Like if something goes wrong with a node package, you can find out who's the author and you can talk to that guy, most likely your girl uh, on the, you know, GitHub repository or something like that, or you just push up, you know, you fix it and send a pull request or something like that. And so, and I, what I did is I showed, you know, a couple of 
common front-end developer tasks that you would run with NPM. Those were like, uh, you know, serving static files locally, doing live reload, doing uh, generating HTML with Jade and uh, using Stylus and using Browserify for JavaScript and kind of running those things in parallel for your development. And uh, just I showed off that it all works and uh, told everybody, here's the repository and you can use it. That was my talk. Yeah, it was um, was really good. And I think, um, you know, all the things you said, <clears throat> I can totally relate to. And I see how taking away the various layers in maybe the, the build tools um, makes debugging much simpler um, because you're much closer to, to the problem. Um, but I, I wonder if it's still the natural sort of um, progression for a developer in the beginning maybe to go with one of those that gives you a lot of hand-holding and you just plug stuff together and you don't really know how the, the inner workings um, function. Yeah. And then once you get a little you know, more curious, maybe this is when you would end up with something like this, which I thought was, was remarkable. And I learned about you know, so many different new modules I had no, no idea about. I mean, um, it's interesting how you go about finding all those. Um, parallel was very, I didn't, I didn't even know that you could do that. So that was pretty cool. And um, yeah, I just, uh, the talk itself was really high energy, was funny and uh, was cool. I think you got people's attention, even though it was the last talk of the night. It was pretty late, but uh, it was really cool. Yeah, cool. I'm really glad you liked it. And um, I think that you're exactly right. I think that um, specifically, because that's also how I got into it, like Grunt, when Grunt kind of came on the scene, NPM was capable of doing all of that already, I, I think, I'm pretty sure. And, uh, and um, but nobody knew about this because nobody was advertising it in the front-end developer community, right? And Grunt came, was a tool built by front-end developers, really, really good front-end developers. Ben Allman, he used to be part of jQuery com committee and He's been very pro prolific in the kind of jQuery plugin world and a very good programmer. And he made, uh, so he, he, he did the grunt thing. And when that happened, people like me who were kind of tuned into the front-end developer community learned about that this even exists and that you can do this and you can automate all those things. And that was like this big revelation. And of course, like I was jumping on it. I was figuring out how to build grunt plugins and how this is. And that was the first time I really got to learn about, you know, got to use really use node and, and node modules, but I was totally oblivious about what those node modules are and what the folder is and, and all this kind of stuff. And it just, and then at some point the gulp thing happened and they were, they were challenging grunt and they were saying, Grunt is too much around the node modules. We make it, a, you know, and we do streaming and we don't want plugins to be fat. We just want you to use the node modules. And, and at that time, there was this blog post and a lot of tweets from, from Substack. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? His real name is John Holiday or something like that. Or James, James oh, Holiday. Uh James, yeah. James, James Halliday. Halliday, exactly. <laughs> so, I just so, know him as Substack. Yeah, so Substack, he was like, I had, like, for me, in my head, he was, like, those those posts sounded like he was raising his fist and he was like, 
you idiots like that's not what he said but that's how it like kind of came across for me like this this you can do this with npm you know like like ah! and kind of uh <laughs> being annoyed with all of the the task runners and he wrote this article where he kind of wrote like you can do this you can do that you can use npm to run this and blah, blah, blah. i read back back then i read through that thing and i said this is this is way too complicated for us like we, we this we need something like grunt like i didn't even understand you know half understand what all those things were doing and then because because gulp was pro was kind of propagating this whole just use node modules if you can and if you if if they need kind of streaming or file streaming added to it you wrap them in the vinyl streams da -da 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 -da. i kind of got closer to the node modules and then some at some point it was like And then I started a new pro a new project at some point, and I, I felt like okay, uh, just a private thing, a small thing, and I was like, okay, am I going to use Grunt or Gulp? And I'm like, I'm very annoyed about this. Like, I don't want to use all. Like, I don't want to install and configure all this stuff. And I realized, hey, I could just put it into the package JSON and then just do npm run, and that would just cover it. And that's when it finally clicked. So it really took me a long time to get there, because I came from this whole different world to to the node world yeah yeah i can see how that, that would happen yeah so so basically that i think that that's how it works with for a lot of front-end developers right now uh, but i but um but since gulp and grunt are in use so much and people's and i think that many have uh, kind of lived through this same story i think many people are ready to hear about the the npm run ma magic basically <laughs> yeah yeah so what do you think about that raquel um well i mean i'm a little biased <laughs> <laughs> I know. given that given that I, i work at npm um so actually fun fact we we use gulp at npm on the front end side of things um just to kind of take care of the lots of things like you know concatenation and uh, minifying and uglifying and uh, all of that good stuff, moving assets, uh, you know, minifying assets and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I chose Gulp actually because it was just super intuitive and used streams and it was just like a really easy flow. Mm -hmm. But then in our dev, like we have a dev script for, for developing the website. And so the dev script actually just runs the Gulp file. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we certainly could use NPM scripts. And in fact, I know that there are a bunch of people who have kind of put in pull requests and issues and been like, hey, let, you're NPM. Stop using Gulp. <laughs> NPM scripts. Um, and, and I'm like, okay, that sounds great. I'm really busy like making the website. I don't have time to like switch this over right now. <laughs> right. So it, um, I think it's absolutely great. I, I tend to... Personally, I tend to think of NPM scripts as like uh, individual one-off things that like, okay, like we'll take care of this thing and then we'll do that. Um, there's no reason you can't just create like a, a bash file that takes care of all of these different things for you and then attach that to a script. Um, I, I Honestly, I just use the tool that feels right at the time. And at when I when we started the website, I uh, went with gulp just because it made sense in my head um and and npm scripts weren't even like they were a thing but they weren't as big of a thing and um mm. 
I really wanted an excuse to learn gulp. <laughs> so I did. No, but that, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, uh, gulp is no, also a note module. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. also yeah, we, yeah, we exactly. actually we actually also using gulp at work, and it totally makes sense. And I think especially when when you like if it's a bigger team and they're more comfortable with gulp, that's fine. You know, whatever. But it's just cool to find all that stuff out. Uh, it was really cool for me and and for my private kind of projects that I that I do, uh, like for 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 myself or or family or whatever. I, I just use npm because it's just quicker to set up, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all. It's all good. All right. Cool. Is there uh, anything else we want to talk about today? I mean, uh, I think we think we have the the hour full, at, or soon or something. How long do you yeah, have? Very close. Yeah. Very close. Well, then we can we can we can do uh, one other subject. So you you put nuzzle on the list. So so what is this nuzzle, Henning? All right. Um, well, I I I uh, work remotely basically, and um, so just a little bit of backstory. So. The company I work for, <clears throat> they're not necessarily set up to have remote people, so it's a little challenging at times. And uh, one of the hard things is to basically stay up to date on what's going on and finding out what um, I should know about. And uh, so my main thing for that is actually Twitter. So I get a lot of my information by following people that I look up to that I think know things that uh, are, are worth knowing or are, you know, people that um, write the tools that I use. So, um, but at times it comes, it becomes like extremely time consuming and I just don't have the time to go through the Twitter feed and sometimes, yeah, and then you worry, oh, I'm going to miss something. So it's like, it's ridiculous. But so anyway, Nuzzle, I came across, I don't know where I found it, but it's essentially a service that you hook up to your Twitter account and it just pulls out all the the links for you. So usually the tweets that I'm really, really interested in are the ones that refer you to some kind of blog post or something that is of interest on a particular top topic. So Nuzzle gets rid of all the noise and just gives you sort of a feed of um, of links that you can then read. Of course, it's still way too much information, but uh, it's quicker to parse. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And what I really wanted to do is ask you guys how you go about, um, yeah, staying up to date, getting your news, stuff like that. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Good, Kalu. Good. Uh, uh, okay. Um, so for me, currently it's still, t it's just Twitter, actually. I, I, I just, I, I did a, like a big, a big um, purge of my Twitter followers. <laughs> so there, there's like a there's like a script on on, on like a gist somewhere GitHub gist um, that you just paste into your browser console, and then it will just go ahead and unfollow everybody, right? When you in your in your account, <laughs> and then I so I did that because I, I was following like I think twelve hundred people or so. Holy cow! Yeah, and oh it. It was just it was just such a weird mixture of people, and it was just too much, and lots of dead accounts, of course, also by then. And I just wanted to start fresh, so I I found this thing and I started, I did that, and I just went 
So it basically, what you do is that you go to your follower list, followers, people who you follow list, whatever, and you scroll down, and then it does, and it just it does this thing where when you scroll to the bottom, it it kind of loads in, uh, you know, the next fifty people or whatever that you follow, and I just and the the instructions were just go down until it doesn't do that anymore. So it, so you have all the people you follow in one big page. And then you can post in this little thing. It was like a jQuery or no, not a, not a, it was like vanilla JS thing that was just going, finding the buttons, the unfollow buttons and clicking all of them. <laughs> so, so basically I did that. Took a while. Browser froze and stuff, but then, <laughs> but, <With> 1200. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I was at zero, right? It was cool. And then I went through the whole list again. I just skimmed over the list and. Immediately, of course, I saw a bunch of people that I didn't want to unfollow, actually. So I followed them back again. And uh, so now I'm kind of following like uh, 200 something. And, and that is actually, that's much better. And, um, and I, I get a good kind of focus, like how I used to it is that I, I, I browse it multiple times during the day. And, and then, you know, if I find something really interesting, I fave it or send it to myself or whatever. And that's how that's how I and that's basically how I get my my news and uh, and also I'm using for instance um, the web developer reading list right um, that's that's um, done by Anselm the newsletter yeah the newsletter yeah done by Anselm Hannemann uh, who is who is also a front developer he does a really nice well compiled. Uh, a newsletter and he's pretty good about it about doing it frequently and he's um he's putting a lot of heart in it a lot of love in it and you can really feel that and that's really cool so that's also a good place to get some really great links from and um i also follow you know the the, the usual suspects like or have to use the newsletters like uh, javascript weekly and node weekly and stuff like that yeah and um, and that's basically it. I also I checked out Nuzzle uh, a while ago, maybe like really long time ago, like a year ago or so. And I actually did like it because, yeah, it just showed me the links that I that I also see on Twitter, which are mostly interesting to me. And but for some reason I stopped using it. I, I don't because I I guess it didn't really add much more value to my Twitter account. Okay. Uh, or compared to my Twitter account. Yeah, I've been fiddling with it for I think four days now, so we'll see. I thought it was a neat idea, though. Anything it's cool. that can yeah. get rid of noise. So, Raquel, what yeah. do what do you do about about the news? <laughs> I I don't know. I have a I have a love hate relationship with Twitter right now because um, <laughs> <laughs> I follow some really really interesting people, but it turns out that people are not one dimensional. So. Uh, in addition to sharing yeah. really interesting tech news, there's also lots of interesting social news and political news and uh, just, you know, d cool pictures. There's a lot of cats in my timeline right now. Um, <laughs> and so, like, it's it's definitely not necessarily the best place for me to get information. I actually, I'm, I'm following too many people right now. I'm following 357 people. Um, I'm looking right. I'm looking at, at Twitter right now, and I'm just like, that's way too many people. Uh, uh, to me, I think like the the perfect balance is like somewhere around 250, 300 at the absolute most, um, because then you can't really you can't really keep track of it all. And not that you should. At this point, I now just kind of like, well, I close Twitter throughout the day, and then I'll open it every once in a while and just like read the 20 most interesting tweets. So my my personal filter tends to be a if 
multiple people tweet about something like the same article or the same, uh, you know, whatever's going on, then, then I'll read it. But otherwise I'm just like, this is some one off. I'm not going to worry about it. Um, but how do I get my tech news tends to generally be through other people. So I'm actually in like 10 Slack channels and, that has been really helpful for me talking to other tech people because they'll be like, hey, look at this really cool, neat technology that I played around with. And there's something special about being um, on Slack. Like there's there's like a little bit more of a personal connection as opposed to the fire hose that is Twitter. <laughs> and, um, and so like if it's somebody that I know and they're talking about a thing, then I'm like, oh, I guess I should pay attention to this. Um, and then I also have lots of friends who are really into paying attention to everything. Like they will just read every single piece of news. Uh, they'll subscribe to JavaScript Weekly, Node Weekly, some other weekly, also the daily and the things and everything else. And, <laughs> and then, what, is, um, <laughs> what is that? What's the, the things? I like that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> but, but the point is that like I use them as like a, a personal Twitter like just like okay, digest for me. What's what's the most interesting thing that I need to be paying attention to right now? And uh, and and they're happy to share. So uh, I'm I basically have outsourced my 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 tech information and That's just brilliant. get it from people. <laughs> I just don't have time. I don't have time to sit there and like read through every single thing and try everything out and yeah, figure it's exhausting. Out. I mean, it's, it's super it's, uh, exhausting. And you get into these frenzies where you're like, you don't know you know, which way to look anymore because there's just so much and you just have to shut it out. And uh, yeah, that's a cool filter there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, I I mean, on some level, I kind of feel bad for my friends who (laughs) put in all this work, but, but I think they enjoy it. Like, I think they really get something out of it. So I'm perfectly happy to let them have that fun and then, you know, just kind of benefit from the side. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, cool. They're happy sharing, and you don't have the work. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a it's a it's a perfect symbiotic relationship. But what 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 really works for me is also I can't read everything. But um, what works for me though is to kind of just you know skim over stuff every now and then, like look into Twitter every now and then when I feel like it, when I have time. Uh, I don't feel like I have to read everything at all. And also when I get those newsletters, um, I only look at them when I have really have time and then i also just skim over the titles of the links or so and then what happens is that sometimes you get or often you get this sense of oh this is an important link because i have seen this link on twitter and on you know and and in the company hip chat and i saw it here so maybe i should have a closer look at this or you know it kind of they pop up on in different places when they are more important or they get retweeted a lot on Twitter and stuff like that. And that's how I kind of, that's how it filters out for me a little bit. Cool. Very nice. Yeah, I just need to <laughs> relax and uh, not not take it so seriously. <laughs> Let it flow yeah. past me. Yeah, I think you do. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just don't think that you have to read everything. Just yeah. kind of let it happen. And then, you know, there was going to be those kind of points where they kind of, the the subjects or links they kind of reappear uh, multiple times and that's when you're like ah maybe make some time for that okay yeah it it i used to be that person i used to sit there making sure that i didn't miss a single tweet a single tweet (laughs) except then i i started speaking at conferences and 
made friends all around the world and it was literally impossible because like people in Germany are nine hours ahead of me and then people in New Zealand are 17 hours ahead of me and like they will tweet at like while I'm asleep and I can't <laughs> I can't I can't read the tweets while I'm sleeping like yeah. I need to sleep at some point and uh and then I have like so many friends in in the U.S. as well and so I'm just like you know what forget it I'm just never gonna know what's going on if you need me, find me on Slack. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just the best way to get a hold of me now. <laughs> Good attitude. Yeah, yeah don't yeah. totally have to relax about it. There's nothing, you know, you're not going to miss anything really. And, and the important stuff is going to pop up, uh, you know, in different places. Okay. It's all good. All right. So I think we're I think we're done for today, huh? Let's awesome. Yeah. wrap it up. All right. So um let's just make the round like uh Raquel, where can people find you on the interwebs? Um so uh feel free to to tweet at me at Rockbot. Uh, and uh I, I will respond to your tweet if you tweet at me. I just might not read what you tweet. Uh, on your own. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Rockbot, and then um, I have a website. It's uh, Rookbit, so R C K B T dot M E. Uh, Rockbot without the vowels, because somebody else already bought Rockbot dot com. Nothing I can do about that. Um, and uh, yeah, email is a terrible way to contact me, unless I specifically ask you to email me. In which case then I will probably respond, but I'm really bad at email. So uh, Twitter Twitter is the best way to chat with me, unless you're in one of my Slack channels, in which case, yeah, DM me. But yeah. Cool. Henning? All right. I'm Henning Glattergutz, and you can find me at hglattergutz uh, pretty much anywhere, GitHub. Um, yeah, Twitter, obviously, and a few other places. And that's, uh, yeah, haglattergutz or glattergutz. So all one word. Cool. And so you can find me on Twitter at um, at Distilled Hype. And um, that's the best way to reach me, I would say. Um, otherwise, you can find a link to my site there and everything. And um, we also have a Twitter account for this show, which is completely inactive so far, uh, of <laughs> course. But, <laughs> but I will get, uh, you know, if you want to tweet us there, uh, definitely we'll get that as well. It's uh, at reactive pod and uh the website is going to or the website the website is uh, uh, reactive.audio and yeah hopefully i'm, I'm gonna upload the audio tonight we'll see what yeah happens. and definitely definitely give us feedback like this yeah. was we we have no idea what what works and what doesn't work we're just playing around and and we'll we'll keep you know iterating on this like any good engineering project and <laughs> hopefully it'll get like like, I mean, this was fun. This was fun and this was good, but but it can be better. It can totally be better. It can always be better. So uh, definitely give us feedback and, you know, we can't Yeah, and a, great, a great way to give the feedback would be to go on iTunes and uh, write a nice review there. Oh, yeah, that that's a great way. And also, um, there's going to be a link to the, of course, the Slack chat where we hang out as yeah, well. Yeah, there you go. And then you can come and hang out. And chat with me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Perfect. All right. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thank you.